Hi, good morning, J103. Hey, this is John with Skillet. How's it going? John Landrum Cooper. Good morning. Good morning. What's up? Where does the Landrum come from? That is my uh, grandmother's maiden name. Wow. It, it, it kind of sounds presidential. Would you ever consider a run for president? <laughs> it does sound presidential. No, I have not considered that, but maybe I will now. Maybe I'll just change it. Nobody will call me John. They just call me Landrum, please. <laughs> what, it could what, be like Landrum the Third or something like that. That you know? would be cool, yeah. Hey, what do you think a John Landrum Cooper presidential administration would look like? <laughs> oh, gosh, I have no idea. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I have no idea. It, it certainly, um, yeah, it certainly wouldn't just, it wouldn't be, one nation under God, it would be one nation under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That, yeah. that, that, that's, that's how we would do it under a John Cooper one. And, and, I, and I bet you Corey would probably rock the first lady role, wouldn't she? Yes, yeah, she would. The first, first, she'd be the first first lady with purple hair. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with John Cooper from Skillet. And, all right, so one of the questions somebody asked me, John, when they found out I was going to be talking to you, um, do you think Skillet will last as long a, a, as a rock band as, like, some of the mainstream rock bands like, you know, the Rolling Stones or some of those guys? I don't think anyone ever will last as long as the Rolling Stones. <laughs> I, I don't really know what's happening there. I think if there's any more, you know, evidence of UFOs, you know, there's been all this stuff on the news like UFOs. Yeah. That we may just find out that Mick Jagger actually is just an alien. So, <laughs> so maybe he's been, he's been alive for 2,000 years. Other than that, no, I don't think anyone will ever make it that long. But, you know, um, right now there's a, a number of Christian artists that, uh, let's see, have managed to really – I mean, Amy Grant, Michael Smith, they've been really at it and still yeah. – still busy hey listen know? i then, saw petra yeah. too there was a there was a concert promoter and he was calling us here at j103 to see if we wanted to kind of front and promote a petra concert coming to town and i pulled up a video thinking oh no way man those guys still have it it's cool that's awesome i love petra petra's my band growing up um still love petra there's not a week that goes by that i don't listen to petra i mean that really um, so yeah th yeah there really are a lot of great Striper is still at it. Yeah. Toby Mac, of course, is yeah. still at Toby's even older than I am, if anybody could believe that. So, um, <laughs> and, and Toby's still at the very top of his game. I mean, he's been number one for like 30 yeah. years now. For so, sure. you know, uh, Toby's somebody I very much admire, too. So, who knows? Hey, you know, I, John, I don't think I've ever heard, seriously, I've been in Christian music since the 19, 1986. I, and so, I don't know. Where did Skillet come from, the name Skillet? How'd y'all decide that? Oh, it's kind of silly. When we first got together, we were all from different bands, actually. It was a time, it was, it was kind of a cool time, in which it seemed that, that, that God was really raising up a lot of musicians at this one little area in Memphis. In fact, there, and a lot of people won't know this, but even people in Memphis probably don't know this, but there was a good five or seven or eight years during this era in the 80s and 90s where there was something called the Christian, uh, let's say Memphis Christian Musician Fellowship. Huh. Because there were so many Christ, young Christian musicians, I must say young, teenagers all the way up to 30, 35 years old. And um, it was a really cool time, and it just ended up that at this one church there were several different bands. And so my pastor had encouraged me. He said, hey, John, he said, I know you got your own band. He said, and I know there's another band here, but I think the guitar player from one of the other bands and you 
would make a good a good team. Why don't you guys try a side project and find a drummer in the church and, and write a couple songs for fun? And if people like it, you can call it Skillet. It would be like taking ingredients from different bands and throwing it on a skillet and making something new. Wow. And so we did, and uh, it ended up taking, you know, whereas our my, my other band was never successful and my guitar player's band wasn't successful, but Skillet ended up catching somebody's attention. So the name kind of started as a joke, and I never thought it would last this long, <laughs> and here we are. So does that pastor get royalties off of every T-shirt sold with the game <laughs> Skillet on or anything? Uh, no, he doesn't. His role is to serve the church. No. <laughs> so, John, you you and Core have been rocking marriage for over what twenty three years now. What what would you say is the real secret for you guys for protecting a healthy marriage? Well, certainly our situation is is unique, as you just mentioned. We've been on the road up until you know COVID. <laughs> We've yeah. been on the road full time for twenty to uh, twenty four years. Uh, or 23 years, rather, and then we just had our 24th anniversary in March. So it's a very different, uh, unique situation we have, and, and I think you should do some things differently. But what I would say is kind of fairly ubiquitous about marriage is, is of course, I think the fact that we know, I mean, we, we who love uh, Christ and we who believe in the Bible and we read the Bible, we, we have so much great wisdom that I wish the whole world had. Yeah, because sure. It's all in the Bible, and that is the fact that you don't marry somebody in order for them to fulfill all of your needs. Christ fulfills all of your needs. You don't need a spouse for that. Yeah. You don't have to be married. You don't, you know, uh, you, you don't need anything that you can't have outside of Christ. That's an, an amazing thing about what Jesus has done for us and, and the Holy Spirit within us. So I think a lot of times, even in Christian marriage, especially when people are young, myself included, you get married thinking this person is going to fulfill all of my needs and all of my dreams. You complete me. Can do. Yeah. What's that? You yeah, complete me. Right. Yeah. I think that that creates a bit of a, I don't want to get too you know theological, but it really does create a bit of an idolatry. And then when you do that, someone can never live up to that. And so I think that when you have a proper perspective of marriage that glorifies God, we are joining together in order to please God and to be used for His kingdom. All of a sudden, you find yourself having a great marriage because you are looking to serve someone else, and that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. Hey, when have you most been proud of your two kids? Oh, man. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, in, in case people don't know, let's see, my daughter is 18. My son is going to turn 16 in two months, so my, my kids are no longer small. You know, I don't know. I, I really don't know the answer. My kids both um, are saved, and, and my mm. kids really love God, you know, and uh, that happened kind of quite young for both of them, so I've always had that sense of just excitement, excitement that, that God has been so good to us, and... Uh, I don't really know when I've been most proud, to tell you the truth. My son wrote a, a book report. I just read his book report. There's a book he had to read for school called The Alchemist, which apparently is a really famous book. I, I'd never heard of it, you know, <laughs> young, young adult readers, whatever. And uh, it's a book that people really, really love, and he wrote a report about it that was so absolutely awesome and uh -huh. probably will be the only negative 
book uh, uh, report about this book that the that his teacher has ever seen, and he was just nailing why this book is such a problem and the worldview that is so unchristian and will lead to such destruction if we raise a generation of people believing what this book is is, uh, promulgating. And I was very proud. I just read it last night, so maybe maybe you're catching me on a fresh, you know, <laughs> proud day. <laughs> so, so will he be writing the sequel then to Awake and Alive to Truth, your book? Well, he's smart enough to, yeah. He's, <laughs> uh, he's much, much more intellectual than, than I am, that's for sure. And uh, I always laugh. I say, I'm really glad that you got your mom's brain, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Well, I thoroughly enjoyed your book. Um, I, I got to read it. I try to read one book a month, and uh, and I read that this year, actually. I think it was back in January wow. or February. So, and the whole book is based on it, it, the subtitle, I guess you'd say, is Finding the Truth in the Chaos of a Relativistic World. In a nutshell, John, how would you encourage parents today that are raising kids who are, who are or at least will be struggling with that very same thing? Hmm. Well, that's very kind. Thanks for reading the book. That's very nice of you. Um, I think I would encourage parents. I, I think a, a good starting place, and, and part of why I, I wanted to write this book, and I hope that it helps parents, some of why I wanted to write the book was so parents could kind of understand the world uh, that their kids are growing up in, because it is drastically different than 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, it took me probably four or five years of studying I started around 2012 because I was noticing, Yeah, it, of course, my kids were a lot younger then, and I was noticing what is going on in the world. Every time I turn on the news, I don't understand what they're saying. I don't understand what people are talking about. It took me a lot of studying to get to the bottom um, of what was happening and, and how the philosophies of the world have shifted. So I think a great starting place for parents is to understand uh, that young people, culture, society, um, uh, academia, even K through 12, they're not teaching their kids of, about truth in the same worldview that that we that us parents learn. You know, I mean, even the atheists of 20 years ago, right? Yeah, still had an idea of of a worldview that was uh, at least roughly Christian, meaning that there is truth. Two plus two equals four. And two plus two cannot equal five. There's, you know, there are things that are that are true. There are things that are false, and you know, so on and so forth. That is not the world that young people are growing up in now. And if they, if they, if that is their worldview, then what do you think that does to Christianity? Yeah. Then you begin to read the Bible through what I would call postmodernism or relativism. You begin to read the Bible as a young person with the idea that there is no absolute truth. So I can read the Bible and it can mean whatever I want it to mean. It could be figurative. Some of it could be literal. Some of it could be figurative. Some of it could be, Oh, I get why they meant that, but it's not necessarily objectively true. That's when you get into what I would call progressive Christianity, which in the end becomes not Christianity at all. So I would encourage parents to understand the worldview and to not shrink back from teaching uh, biblical truth, objective biblical truth. This is right and this is wrong, and uh, that's where I would start. And I think that my book is good for that. I certainly hope that it is. Yeah, I I would agree. I would agree wholeheartedly. You know, they say that many times when somebody writes a book and they finish it, um, they'll sit down and think, oh, you know, I wish I'd said this, or there would have been room for that. 
Did you experience that with this book here, or do you feel like you pretty much got everything you wanted in it? Mm, great question. Wow. Um, I'm sure that there have been things like that. <laughs> Let's see. You know, um, like, for instance, you know, somebody said, hey, what if, what if a company, because I self-published the book, and they said, what if a company wanted to re-release your book and then you'd add a chapter? What would you add? Somebody yeah. asked me that recently, and I was thinking long and hard about it. You know, to tell you the truth, I think I said what I wanted to say because I wanted to keep it simple because, um, again, my passion for it was twofold. Um, that young people would have uh, – I call this book Theology for Dummies. And, uh, and, I, and I always make a joke, and I say – actually, I usually make it longer. Theology for Dummies like me, that's what I usually <laughs> say, because I'm not very academic, but I do love the Bible. But I'm like a lot of other people. I have a hard time sitting through a thousand-book, a thousand-page systematic theology book from Wayne Grudem or, or, or whoever, you know, Piper or whoever. Those are long books. And uh, I wanted to make something that teenagers could understand. Yeah. And that was one of the biggest purposes. And twofold, that parents could get an insight to what kids are going through. So I think that I made it. Uh, I think that I finished what I would want to do. If I was to add a chapter, though, just for my own liking, I probably would delve a little farther into some of the, the cultural aspects. Uh, I, I did touch on culture in terms of postmodernism. Yeah. Um, uh, intersectionality, but I probably would add an entire chapter about critical race theory. I mentioned critical race theory, but I didn't like delve into it deeply, and and I probably would add a chapter about that. There you go. Hey, a good friend of mine, actually, was one of my former students. I was his youth pastor years ago. Owns Chattanooga Beard Company, and he has a man crush on your beard. Um, it always looks so healthy. What <laughs> what would you say is the secret to your beard? <laughs> Well, that's really funny. Let's see. Secrets. Well, I do have my own beard line. Oh. And I don't know if that's necessarily a secret. And, of course, if he has his own beard line, he doesn't want my secret. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I do have my own beard line. People can check that out on my website. And I should mention that it's really still the best place to get my book. So go yeah. to John L. Yeah. Cooper. The L is for Landrum. Yes, it is. Which will be my presidential name. (laughs) But you just go to johnlcooper.com, and you can see my beard products and things like that. But I always encourage people, the beard, you just got to – you can't just let it go. You got to treat your beard like a woman treats her hair. You know, she spends time on it. She she prints it. She makes it look right. You got to treat your beard like that, or or else you look like a wild man. And maybe you want to look like a wild man, and – and if that's the case, then I think that's cool. Yeah, for sure. My youngest son, he'll be 25 in about a week or so, and he geeks out over your tattoos. Do you know how many tattoos you currently have? Uh, no, I don't, actually, but, but I've got one arm covered and one leg. Okay, okay. Do you have a favorite? Which is kind of weird. I'm, I'm, I'm lopsided. Yeah, I need to... <laughs> yeah, I got my I got my tattoo when I was uh, I was still a youth pastor, and somebody came to me a couple about a couple weeks later and says, "Don't you need another one to balance you out on the other arm?" I'm like, you know, they don't weigh that much, you know, so I think I'm okay with that. There. Do you have a certain tattoo that's a uh, that's a favorite? Well, I got several that I really like, but my the first one I got was um well actually the first one i got was my wedding ring oh cool and that's of course special for lots of reasons you know you make a, a covenant forever and i thought let's get a tattoo of that yeah. why not it's not going anywhere 
Um, and it was quite, I had, and I, I used to have an actual wedding ring, but it's quite difficult to play guitar with the ring on, I find. It, 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 it kind of like gets caught and it hurts. And I thought, I'm just going to tattoo it. <laughs> yeah. But probably my, my other favorite tattoo, I have one that says Forgiven. Wow. And that was my first big tattoo. And it was just, uh, it was, I don't know, it was important to me. I just think it's just such great news. Forgiven. You know, um, it's as if I'd never sinned. That's what justification is, right? Yeah, yeah. Just as if I'd never sinned. That is such amazing news. And people always ask me, forgiven, what does that stand for? What did you do so bad? And then that, that's, my, that's my clue that, that they don't understand the gospel, and I get a chance to share Jesus with them. Because usually I think what they, <laughs> they think, what, did you kill somebody? <laughs> did you? What, what happened so much that you got a tattoo that said you've been forgiven? And I said, well, let me tell you. Yeah. Just as if I had never sinned. Uh, a brand new creation in Christ. It's such great news. That's cool. Are there any of your tattoos that Corey just kind of looks at you and you, you just know she's just being nice and supportive about it? <laughs> yeah. You know what? Yes. Uh, I mean, I mean, my wife kind of likes, she's always kind of liked the idea that I'm a little bit of a wild man, I think, you know. Um <laughs> You know, like John the Baptist is one of her favorite characters there you in the go. Bible. And yeah, that kind of makes sense. I'm a little John the Baptist-y, I suppose, uh, um, in, in terms of my calling and, and my craziness. So I think she kind of likes that. But in the end, I do have on my leg, call it a leg sleeve if you want, I have a leg sleeve of uh, Marvel comic characters. Oh, wow. Spider-Man and the Avengers and things like that because I love comics. And uh, my wife thinks the tattoos look really good, but it's not like she's dying for me to have a bunch of comic book characters on my leg. <laughs> would you ever? Would you ever go over to the DC comics too, or just Marvel? No, no, no. Just now, I do like Batman. Yeah. But Batman is—I uh, always say that Batman was like um, one one born out of his time. You know uh -huh. what I mean? Sort of like Paul the Apostle. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not really, but that, <laughs> but. But it's supposed to be a joke, but but kind of like <laughs> Batman doesn't belong in DC because DC is lame. But Batman is awesome. I, he belongs in Marvel, but he's just like born out of his, his period. It just <laughs> didn't work. Something about it isn't right. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, John, God's used you in some pretty incredible ways this past year, and some of those in the area of racial reconciliation and all the turmoil that was going on. And from what I understand, some happened right outside your own window there at home in Wisconsin. Can we, as followers of Jesus, become political and yet maintain our witness? Well, yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a tough situation. I think that even the word political has different meanings to different people. Yeah, And there are some things that I think Hey, that's not like, for instance, I, I don't want to make anybody mad that's listening. So, right, I mean, right. I've already just beat up on DC Comics. Yeah, that's okay. So They'll get over that. <laughs> people get an idea of, I, I do kind of say what I believe, but I don't say this intentionally make anybody mad. But let me give you an example that a lot of Christians agree on, okay? Yeah. Um, I'm very, uh, as most, well, I say a lot of Christians are, I'm very pro life. I believe in fighting uh, for the unborn, uh, and I believe it's uh, a really incredibly horrendous evil in our country that we allow what we allow um, in terms of abortion. Uh, but I don't see that as a political stance. I, I see that as a strong biblical stance, even though it has political implications. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes we get involved in those things. So, yeah, I do think that right now 
the whole, you know, race slash, you know, ethnic um, struggles that are happening and marches and protests. It's a really uh, just volatile time. It's really sad. And, and what makes what makes me so sad is that uh, the Bible has the most beautiful uh, answer to any any sort of ethnic issues. And that is the answer, of course, in Jesus Christ. Yeah. That in in Jesus Christ, we are supernaturally made one, and it doesn't matter what color your skin is, rich or poor, male or female, you know, all the, the different categories. None of those things matter. We're actually made one in Christ, and that is a it's a covenant not made by men, but made by God. That means yeah. you cannot break that covenant. You're in the kingdom together, and you are one, and that is so so beautiful. I mean, the, the Bible says that he tore down the wall of hostility between the Jew and the Gentile, and that, of course, means between white, black, brown, rich, poor, anything. That is the most beautiful answer there is. There's nothing more extreme, nothing more radical than that. That is the answer. So when we preach Christ, we are actually preaching reconciliation, because when we are reconciled to Christ, then we are reconciled to one another. On the flip side, if we are not reconciled to Christ, then we cannot be reconciled to one another due to original sin, due yeah. to our own hatred and our own flesh and our selfishness and all the things that we need to be forgiven for. So I don't know. I, I, I don't see that as a political thing, but it ends up sounding political because of different you know visions and agendas, sure. and it's sad, but that's the way it has to be. Okay, John Cooper from Skillet. How awesome was it to get back out on tour again? It's so great. I'm so glad to see people coming to shows, having fun. People have been afraid, and, and I've been having a chance to tell people, hey, we are not meant to live in fear. The Bible says, and God says it, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, Amen. but of power, love, and a sound mind. And that is great news for the person who doesn't know Christ, and it's great news for the person who does know Christ, but has been living in fear when they don't actually need to. And it's not to say there's not, you know, things happening that have caused us to be fearful. There are some scary things happening, but we get to be in Christ. We get to kind of transcend these problems that that, that, that we have on Earth, and that's a great message. So we're really having a good time. Great to see fans coming out, and I think people. I keep getting all these social media messages saying. John, I had no idea how much I needed this concert. I think that's cool. <laughs> Drive-in theaters, whatever it takes to get back out and share the gospel. June 8th <laughs> at the Swingin' Midway Drive-In up in Athens, Tennessee. is as close to Chattanooga as you're getting. Before you all began touring drive-ins as Skillet, did you and Corey ever have a date night at a drive-in? Oh, great. You're asking some really good questions that have never been asked. Um, no. But I used to go to drive in uh, when I was a kid, and even in high school. So it's, it's very nostalgic for me. Yeah. But but I've never been on a date to a drive-in with Corey, even though we did we we did take our young our kids when they were young to yeah. drive in. So they got so to experience falling asleep in the back seat at a drive-in, right? The kids did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, I live in Wisconsin, so. You know, anytime you go to a drive-in, it could end up being freezing cold. Even if it's a, <laughs> some, you never know where you're going to get in Wisconsin. You've got like a drive-in season of like six weeks. Is that what it is up there? Yeah, yeah exactly. Otherwise, bring bring some blankets, man. Okay. Hey, have you have you gotten to meet Jacoby face to face yet? 
from Papa Roach? Yeah, there's a funny story I, I heard of a fan. It was in your book oh, yeah, yeah. about a fan that uh, posed for a picture with you, was all excited, thinking you were Jacoby. You think yeah. she's still walking around showing people that picture with you and hoping everybody still thinks it's him, or do you think she tells the yeah, truth? Yeah, exactly. She probably still doesn't know who it is. She's like, just she's lying probably. No, <laughs> yeah, I did tell that story in my book. We actually were on tour with Papa Roach at the time, so yes, we, we were already friends, but it is a really, really funny story, and, and I hope an interesting kind of example of the, the greater point I was making is that Sometimes we think we know God, but when we don't read His Word and we don't understand who God is according to His Word, then, then you probably don't actually know God. Yeah. He's, he's an imposter. It's not actually the Jesus of the Bible. So that was kind of a funny story. And uh, <laughs> yeah, who knows with that girl? Maybe she's a Phyllis fan now. We can always. Yeah, play. there you go. Hey, which one? <laughs> which one of your kids do you think is most like you, and which one is more like Corey? Oh, my daughter is most like me for sure. Wow! Um, how? Oh, for uh, yeah. Well, her personality is like mine. She's an extrovert. She's you know the the life of the party. I guess you would say she comes in the room. Everybody knows she's there. She's loud, funny, <laughs> obnoxious. She's sweet. She's friendly. But I would say she's she's much more studious and much more deeply spiritual than I was. Um, and that is more like her mom. So she has a lot of emotional intelligence, um, but her extroverted uh, personality is absolutely me. My son is introverted, uh, academic, intelligent, maybe not as emotionally intelligent, but but actually like uh, philosophically intelligent, and he reminds me of, of his mom. My wife, Corey, is absolutely introvert doesn't want to talk in groups of people, doesn't even really like groups of people. But she loves sitting one-on-one with someone and, and having a coffee and a, and a conversation, you know. So yeah. it's uh, funny how that works. All right, speed round. If there's anywhere that you would uh, still like to perform a skillet that you never have, where where's where's a first-time place you'd like to perform? And you can say J-Fest here in Chattanooga. We know that. But what, what else? <laughs> I'd like to go to South Africa. Oh, wow. Yeah, never performed South Africa. We were supposed to do one time, and it got canceled. That's uh, one of the few places we haven't been. Okay. What about any pyrotechnics uh, ever catch you off guard? Oh, yeah, yeah. We burned a couple things down. No one ever got hurt. We burned our, One time we burned an amplifier down, but we, we learned our lesson. <laughs> no one's ever gotten hurt. That's all you need to know. That's important. <laughs> That's important. All right, if you could drop it all right now and just do it, what would you be doing, John? I'd probably be, this is going to be boring. I probably would be an, an elder in my local church. Wow. That's very admirable, man. That's cool. That's cool. Ha, has there been somebody that you were able to introduce your kids to that was one of those pinch me moments? Um, it was for me, but probably not for them. <laughs> Actually, for my daughter, when she met Britt Nicole. Oh, cool. Uh, we toured with Britt Nicole a few years ago, and and. For my daughter, it was like Britney Spears would have been or something. I mean, she was like Britt Nicole's like the king of the uh, queen of the world. So yeah. that was a big deal for her. Gotcha. All right, my last question for you, John. How can I, how can we pray or minister to you and your family right now? Well, that's very gracious and kind that anyone would even want to pray for us. I, I suppose what I would say is that everybody's aware that we're living in, in weird times. 
And there is, a, as everyone knows, a remarkable cancel culture happening. And I do think that Christianity is is in the, you know, in the wake of that, I would say, in the wake of that, you know, uh, onslaught of waves that are coming. I don't know what, to what degree that's going to happen, but it's already happening a little bit. And so I think that for, for me, I'm always praying that I would speak when I feel that God wants me to speak and do it with boldness and um, having that peace. It's almost like I don't mind I don't mind being canceled or hated as long as I know that I was speaking what I was supposed to speak. Oh, yeah. But sometimes it's the it's in the not knowing that's difficult. Like, Lord, do you want me to say something or do you not want me to? I find that really difficult. I, I so I guess then what I would say is that's a prayer for that's a prayer for prudence, I think. It's a prayer for prudence and, and prophetic direction. I think that might be a good biblical way to say it. You got it. Well, can I pray with you real quick? Yeah. Hey, God, thank you for my brother John. I just thank you for him and his wife and and uh, the rest of the band, and I thank you for his family. God, I just thank you for the mouthpiece that you've given them, the fact that, as he mentioned, he's John the Baptist in our culture today and in our world. And, God, I pray that you would continue to give him the boldness to say exactly what you want him to say, give him the restraint to know when he doesn't need to say certain things that, that pop into his mouth into his mind and into his heart. God, I just thank you for the platform that you've given them, the way that you've provided for them and protected them um, over this past year and years. And God, I just pray that you would continue to help Skillet be, your, like I said, your mouthpiece is, Father, irrelevant to today's culture and drawing people into a saving relationship with your son, Jesus. God, I pray for protection. I pray that you would watch over them as they continue on this tour and as we continue to see our country and nation open back up up and more and more people feel the freedom to come out. Thank you for the ability that John and the band has to to help dispel the fear and to give people that boldness that that you want them to have in you. God, we just thank you again that we have the opportunity to please you in all that we do. And God, I pray you would guide us as we do. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, John Cooper, man. We thank you so much. And again, June the 8th at the Swinging Midway Drive-In up in Athens, Tennessee. If you see a bus parked in the very back, don't bother them. It'll just be John and Corey having their first ever date night at a drive-in. And uh, yep. uh, <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> Great chatting with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, did we cover everything that you wanted to cover? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, man. Hey, Kai's going to be reaching out to you from Fairtrade there. We would love to get you guys to to do a J-Radio playlist. Um, it's a ministry that God's raised up here. Many of the Fairtrade artists already have a, um, an artist-curated oh. playlist on this platform. And, man, we would love to have a John Cooper um, playlist on J-Radio. All it takes is for you to write down, email me, 20 or 30 songs that would be on your 
ultimate playlist. Can be your songs, can be other people's songs. Doesn't have to be necessary, just quote unquote Christian songs, as long as they're no explicit content or lyrics or anything. And then at some point, sure. if we could just get you to record like five or six DJ song breaks, you know, introing some of the songs, um, and then we put that out there on the platform. But man, we'd love okay. to have. We're missing. We're missing some good edgy positive music on there so um would love to have that I'll, I'll send all the information to to kai and just have him reach out to you that sounds great yeah thank you very much man you got it dude seriously we need to get you to j fest here um, we had to move j fest for the fourth time to next may because our festival site is the uh, vaccination site here in hamilton county in chattanooga oh, so wow. uh so zach williams is on tap for next year and um Oh gosh, Colton Dixon, one of your label mates, and uh, Danny Goki, and several others, and and uh, so we need to get cool. we need to get skillet on there one year. All right, all right, good. brother. <laughs> all right, man. Well, thank you. Have a great one. A great chat. You too. God bless you, John. You as well. Later.